Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one down I used to work. It's a joke. You know where we were anyway. <laughs> In this moment, real leadership would entail de-escalation. You used pepper spray and truncheons on American cities. You expanded to Portland. Can I just say, Mr. Shame on you. Can I just My say, time has expired. I thought a lot of the Democrat questioners looked like jerks. Uh, they were there to stamp their feet, wag their finger, uh, lash out at the Attorney General and not give him a chance to answer the questions. And if he did get an answer in, to their questions. There were, sorry about that, I didn't have my mic on there. I wasn't saying anything any too uh, interesting anyway. There were a lot of jerks on display in Washington, D.C. today. William Barr was testifying in front of, front of Congress. We'll have some of the audio. Today was a crazy day for me. Um, 6.32. In 11 minutes and 53 seconds, I'm going to have to run downstairs, but I'll, I'll have some audio playing for you. I have ribs in the stove, and I've got kids running around the house, and my wife is now working overnights, so this is the time where I'm, quote, taking care of the kids, which includes a two-year-old, a four-year-old, I think a seven-year-old, and then there's a nine-year-old. So, yes, father of the year again, I hope. Barr, William Barr gets up there to to uh, Congress, and one thing I think it, this did today, Carl Rove in that cut just called them jerks, and this was, I think, the mistake the Democrats made is they officially fused themselves to the riots. They officially created a a really visible bond between themselves and the riots with how they treated today. It was it was incredible. They publicly almost to a man to a woman 
suggested that these things, these burning of the building and this Antifa attacks and all this other crazy crime was a figment of the Attorney General's imagination, a figment of your imagination and my imagination. It was ridiculous. So <laughs> we'll see how that plays out for him. You know, who knows? So many other people, have, I just got a, I just got a tweet. I'll just say right now, you'll know this guy from Stephen Chachio, Chach, who lives in Winchester, says, hey, Tom Shattuck, I may have missed it, but have you on yours or Jerry Callahan podcast talked about the town of Winchester trying to get rid of the Sachem logo? He said that meeting is now. It's the Winchester Sachems. Obviously, I think Chach lives down there. He he's uh, he lives um, he's married to a, a high school friend of mine because I went I was I grew up in Winchester, and um, so the move is on to move those Sachems, and that's what that's what the people's minds are. People are this mass hysteria has turned into this massive, insane woke performance art, and it includes things like, of course, getting to town square. This is afflicting white middle class people predominantly i think in the places like winchester are the perfect setting for this because uh, the nary a uh, black person is probably around that town if it's anything like it was when i was growing up and uh it, with the property tax overrides they're happy to uh maintain the status quo in that sense but um but yeah, so now it's manifesting itself in these uh, things where where you're changing the name of towns and changing the name of um, of the team mascots, the Sachems, the Red Men, the Red Raiders, all of those things. Now it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I mean, these every people towns love their teams, their football teams. They love them, and they wouldn't name them something that they thought was a slur or harsh. People love in Winchester love the Winchester Sachems. You know, the Winchester Sachems go out every year at Thanksgiving and they play the Woburn Tanners, you know, as in tannery. And it's fine. And people get into it. And it's been a rivalry forever. And your town has a rivalry too. I know it does. It's just ridiculous. There's nothing to it. It's just the sedentary minds have nothing better to do than to try to feel um, noble and try to have the the you know precious aura of nobility and and uh, heroism you know rub off in them and they come up with things like this and it's just ridiculous virtuous virtuous signaling but i've gotten sidetracked so will this crap work with uh the, the people on the left trying to twist and bend reality we'll see so here's a little bit of bars opening a statement finally i want to address a different breakdown in the rule of law that we've witnessed over the past two months in the wake of George Floyd's death, violent rioters and anarchists have hijacked legitimate protests to wreak senseless havoc and destruction on innocent victims. The current situation in Portland is a telling example. Every night for the past two months, a mob of hundreds of rioters have laid siege to the federal courthouse and other nearby federal property. The rioters have come equipped for fight armed with powerful slingshots, tasers, sledgehammers, saws, knives, rifles, and explosive devices. Inside the courthouse are a relatively small number of federal law enforcement personnel charged with, defense, with a defensive mission to protect the courthouse. What unfolds nightly around the courthouse cannot reasonably be called protest. It is, by any objective measure, an assault on the government of the United States. 
So here is Hank Johnson. You, you probably remember Hank Johnson. He is the con- congressman who about 10 years ago uh, voiced a concern that if too many troops were put on the island of Guam, it would tip over and capsize. He was famous for that. He's not brilliant. That's fine. So you just heard what Barr said about the things on the ground, the situation on the ground in uh, Port Portland. This is Hank Johnson's response to that. Uh, General Barr, your opening statement reads like it was written by Alex Jones or Roger Stone. So in other words, there's no problem in Portland and you're just being a crazy conspiracy uh, theorist and you're uh, a wacko and uh, just a provocateur and the bomb thrower, flamethrower. That's what you are. So that pretty much tells you how this thing's going to go. Do you stand by that statement? Yes. Now, I'm sure that we can agree on some things. We disagree on a whole lot, but I'm sure we can agree on the fact that President Trump is just a prolific tweeter. Isn't that correct? He seems to be. And he tweeted many times about the Roger Stone sentencing, didn't he? I don't know how many times he tweeted about it. Well, many times. You, and you are aware of them because you said it would it's, hurts you from doing your job. And isn't it? Think of everything going on in the country right now. And this is where this guy, this is where this party is. This is what they're using this spotlight for right now with everything going on true that when prosecutors in the Roger Stone case filed a memo with the court recommending a sentence of seven to nine years in prison, a few hours later, President Trump tweeted that the sentence recommendation was, quote, a disgrace. You're aware of that? Yes. And General Barr, several hours after that, you filed a pleading with the court stating that the sentence recommendation would be changed and that you would be asking for a lighter sentence for Roger Stone. Isn't that correct? No, no what is correct is that, well, er, I mean, er, what is correct that on February 10th, Monday, no, no, I gave instructions no, 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 as to what the... my time. Yeah, I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. So that's a theme you're going to hear a little bit about, the reclaiming my time tactic. It was fully employed earlier today. And simply, they're just there to browbeat him. They don't want him to answer. They don't want an explanation from him ending up in video or in audio cuts. This is not about that. They just want to fill up the 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 question and answer period with ad hominem attacks and insults and accusations. They do not want them answered or explained to the American people. You filed a sentencing recommendation hours after President Trump tweeted his dissatisfaction with the Stone recommendation, and you changed that recommendation. No, I directed the night before. Trump, the night before, that is well, Monday I, night. I know your story, but I'm asking. Well, I'm telling my story. That's well, what I'm here to do. Well, well, I do. That's why I'm here. Question. Well, I'm here to tell my story. Well, and on the night before, the night before on February 10th, well, sir. On February I, 10th, I directed. Reclaiming my time, sir. Reclaiming my time, and I know you don't want to answer, but the fact... The crime rate in several cities is up more than 100%, 200%, 300% in some areas. Violent crime, shootings, and murders. This is what your elected leaders are doing. Facts are clear. Sentencing recommendation made in the morning, tweet... In the afternoon, you changed the sentencing recommendation that... No, the tweet, tweet was not made in the afternoon. Tweet. The tweet was made at, I think, one thirty or 2 in the morning. Well, the, 
tweet was made before and after, tweet, tweeted about that relentlessly, and you've agreed to that. Now, when you filed your sentencing recommendation asking for a lower sentence. I didn't ask for a lower sentence. Well, you said that you were going to recommend a lower sentence. And you No, I let what, we, Wasn't the sentence that was recommended by the line prosecutors according to the sentencing guideline calculations? It was within it was within the guidelines, but it was not within Justice so, Department policy so in now, my view. General Barr, you're expecting the American people to believe that you did not do <laughs> what Trump wanted you to do when you changed that sentencing recommendation and lowered it for Roger Stone. You think the American people don't understand that you were carrying out Trump's? I was not. I, I had not discussed my sentencing recommendation with anyone at the White House or anyone, exactly or anyone outside the, the department. Wanted you to do, and that's what you did. No, Let me ask you: Do you think it's fair? Do you think it is fair for a 67-year-old man to be sent to prison for seven to nine years? It was in accordance with the sentencing. No, it was not. You just said that it was. And your line prosecutors I, will testify that it was also. Now, I'm going to move on from that. Okay. The department, your time as attorney it is not the Herbert Walker Bush, you never changed the sentencing recommendation for a friend of uh, Herbert Walker Bush, did you? No, I, as I recall. All right. I, uh, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. And over the course of your time as Trump. It was, nothing was never elevated to me. Over the course of your tenure with Trump. You've changed two sentencing recommendations, not one, but two, correct? Which were, which were they? Yeah, Michael Flynn. I didn't change it. Well, you said, well, you indicated that, um, you, yeah, you changed it because the original Flynn sentencing recommendation was for Flynn to serve zero to six months. But under your authority, the Justice Department supplemented that recommendation. So that was an appeals court essentially knocked all that stuff down. I mean, this is a court process. Uh, Flynn's excellent attorney did a great job and won the stuff in court. Recommendation with a pleading that stated the Department of Justice's agreement with Flynn's lawyers that probation would be a reasonable sentence and that the DOJ would not be sinking prison time for Michael Flynn. Isn't that correct? I don't think that's what it said. Well, that's what it said, sir. You go back and read it. I, I now, think prior, both. I think both pleadings now, sir, said that. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. The gentleman's time Chair. has expired. Madam Chair, you, you can you can give a speech or you can ask questions. If you do the latter, you need to let the witness answer the questions. And that's the chair's obligation, <laughs> I, I, I chair's responsibility to allow that to happen. Mr. Buck is recognized for five minutes. Reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. I'm going to reclaim my time in a minute, but he has a good. Uh, Jim Jordan goes on and has a good, um, has a good back and forth with uh, Barr about um, about defunding the police. Is defunding the police a rational policy? No, I, I think if anything, uh, I'm more concerned that the the police be adequately funded today and and get more resources. A lot of the things we need to do to address. Uh, some of the concerns people have about what they saw in Minneapolis are going to take some resources, some of the training uh, that we have to do. 
And uh, one of the difficulties in our country, it's not a difficulty, it's a fact, we have 18,000 law enforcement agencies. Some, most of them are very, very small. And so we have to find a way of, of training, uh, you know, making sure the training is pushed out. Is it dangerous? Dangerous to defund the police? It's extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. And some of the ordinances you're seeing cities pass are also dangerous. Are you familiar with the letter that Chief of Police of Seattle, Carmen Best, sent to business owners and residents in that city? Yes, I am saying that you know she cannot protect, uh, she can't do her job. Her police force cannot do the job because That's exactly of the what she said yeah. gives officers the po policy they're trying to pass. Thank goodness the court stopped it. The policy they are trying to pass gives officers no ability, and she emphasized no, not us, not not you, Mr. Train, not me. Gives officers no ability to safely intercede to preserve property in the midst of large violent crowds. Mm -hmm. She also said in that letter. Again, she's she's taken the leadership and responsibility to tell the business owners that the citizens that she's supposed to serve. She also tells him in that letter, I've done my due diligence on informing the council numerous times. So she's saying, I tried to tell them, these, these people won't listen to me. And then finally she says this, and this is the scary part. This is why it's so dangerous. She says this in her letter, Seattle police will have an adjusted deployment. That's a nice way of saying, you're on your own. We can't help you. That is how scary this defund the police. And here's the kicker, here's the kicker. These same cities sent you a letter last week. The same week uh, Chief of Police Best does this to the re residents and citizens of, of her city. Her mayor sends you a letter blaming you, blaming the federal government for the violence that is happening in these cities. Can you imagine living in a city or running a business where the police have said, we've done everything we can. There's nothing we can do to help you. You're on your own. It's like it's it's like the the it's like a nationwide Benghazi strategy in these towns in these cities. Good luck, best to you. You might want to get to the roof and hope you can uh, dodge the mortar shells because you're on your own. We've made a political decision. Incredible. And these and they and they never stop. They cannot stop themselves from simply politicking and politicking and politicking. They don't care. This is happening in cities, and these are destroying. Remember, remember who gets hurt. It's not the Winchester Sachem's community that gets hurt. It's the black community that gets hurt. Minneapolis, and you know, just look what's happening in New York City right now. Philly, you hear it's happening all over the place. Crime is just through the roof. But just for the sake of the black community, we are torching the black community. Yay! Great. <sighs> Ridiculous. And I'll, you've got the Democratic majority in the House, and they spend their time playing games. That's it, just to have a this this almost show performance. Everybody's doing performances these days, so they spend their time doing the reclaim my time uh, performance. And I'm reclaiming my time, Mr. General. And my time is limited. I, I have the time. So what? Reclaiming the my time. Yeah, I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, sir. 
reclaiming my time, and I know you don't want to answer. I'm not saying uh, that. I reclaim my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Attorney General. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Attorney. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Barr. Okay, reclaiming my time. Excuse me, the time is fine. I'm starting to lose my temper. Excuse me, Mr. Barr, this is my time, and I control it. Reclaim my time, sir. Reclaiming my time. Okay, reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, sir. Quibbling I will get to that. Reclaiming my time. You answered the question. That's Press, what, Mr. Attorney I, General, I think reclaiming that's my what time. I was talking reclaiming about. my time. We've waited a long time for you to come here. The time is mine. The time is mine. Substance. Attorney General, reclaiming my time. Do. Reclaiming my time, sir. Without a rule, I, I think DHS. Reclaiming my time. I'm surprised at your lack of respect for a member of Congress. <laughs> Are you? Do you respect those members of Congress? The Washington Free Beacon put that together, by the way. I can't take credit for that. Nice work, guys. <sighs> the whole thing was contentious. I mean, today it was not meant to. Like, we've already talked about it. It was not meant to be productive. Have you discussed the president's re-election campaign with the president, or with any White House official, or any surrogate of the president? Well, I'm not going to get into my discussions with the president. Well, have you discussed that topic with him? Yes or no? Not in, not in relation to this program. I didn't ask that. I asked if you discussed that. With I'm a member of the cabinet, and there's an election going so, on. Obviously, the topic so comes the up. So the answer yes. Well, the, the topic yes. comes up in cabinet meetings and other things. Shouldn't, okay. It shouldn't and be a surprise of, that, that the topic of the election. Comes. I didn't say I was surprised. I just asked if you'd done that. Have you discussed the current or future deployment of federal law enforcement? Well, as I say, I'm not going to get into my discussions with the president, but I've made it clear that I would like to pick the cities based on law enforcement need and based on neutral criteria. So, but you, you can't tell me whether you discussed... No, I'm not going to discuss what I discussed with the president. Can you commit today that the department will not use federal law enforcement as a prop in the president's re-election campaign? We are not because using I just federal want to close law enforcement. with this thought. You really can't hide behind... Looks right past all of the violence happening. Looks right past the spike in violent crime, which is making victim, further victimizing the black community and says, hey, is the president using these troops so they can use it in commercials? Is that what's really happening? He looks past all of the destruction, all of the violence, the attacks on federal buildings, the attacks on human beings, looks past it all. Nadler could give it in. Incredible. In legal fictions this time, Mr. Barr. It's all out in the open, where the people can see what you are doing for themselves. The president wants footage for his campaign ads, and you appear to be serving it up to him as ordered. Who's Alex Jones now? Who's going to be the wacko who thinks because federal troops are protecting federal property that that's the president trying to do some kind of wag the dog theatrical production for the election? God, he's cynical, disgusting. Uh, I, I just reject the idea. This is the co-author, by the way, of the entire Mueller BS, the entire thing, Gerald Nadler. Yeah, that the department has flooded anywhere and, and attempted to suppress demonstrators. We make a clear distinction between demonstrators. The facts speak well, for themselves. I'm, I'm, this is I'm, my time. I'm answering. And, and, you know, the fact of the matter is, if you take Portland, Portland, the courthouse is under attack. Yeah, no, well, that's not why we're here, sir. We're here for something bigger. Nadler's big finish to that rant, by the way. In this moment, real leadership would entail de-escalation. You use pepper spray and truncheons on American citizens. You expand it to Portland. Can I just say, Mr. Shame on you. Can I just My say, My time has expired. Shame on you. Shame on you, sir. 
Now, what is a term that in this climate you expect to eventually hear used in reference to the Attorney General, which might um, be kind of the, the term of the year? Attorney General Barr, you started your testimony with eloquent words about the life and legacy of John Lewis fighting systematic racism, uh, voter intimidation, civil rights. Uh, the one thing that you have in common with your two predecessors, both Attorney General Sessions and Attorney General Whitaker, is that when you all came here and brought your top staff, you brought no black people. That, sir, is systematic racism. That is exactly what John Lewis spent his life uh, fighting. I, I don't think that's true. I think that's horse bleep. He's got on his staff the best people for his staff, the best people that he could find for his staff. Maybe he tried to hire more. I don't know who he has in his staff or what color they are. I don't know. Are they all black? Are they all white? Who cares? You want competent people on the staff. It's not systematic racism isn't, you know, without merit bringing somebody on who's not good. I'm not going to hire the Irish guy because I need more Irish people and your special social justice quota isn't filled out. That's BS. And what a, a, a an insult to, to black people, you know, that they would need the quota, you know, because you can't trust the hearts of men because they're obviously evil. That's, that's so stupid. Dude. It's just so sick of it. And so I would just suggest uh, that actions speak louder than words. And you should really should keep the name of the Honorable John Lewis out of the Department of Justice's uh, mouth. Right, unless you start judging people more on the color of their skin, which is what we want you to start doing when applicants come in for your job. Uh, this is why Carl Rove was right on on this stuff. I thought a lot of the Democrat questioners looked like jerks. Uh, they were there to stamp their feet, wag their finger, uh, lash out at the attorney general and not give him a chance to answer their questions. And if he did get an answer in to their questions, they immediately ignored it and stomped off and went on. I, I, this was embarrassing. Why Chairman Nadler? I have to give the Democrats credit. They obviously prepared this. They knew their 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 attack lines. They knew how to say, this is my time. I'm, I'm not giving back my I'm taking back my time. They knew how to control the dialogue, but they come off looking like jerks. Absolutely. And one of the biggest jerks on the Democratic side of the aisle is Eric Swalwell. Are you familiar with the December 3rd, 2018 tweet where Donald Trump said Roger Stone had shown guts by not testifying against him? No, I'm not familiar with that. You don't read the president's tweets? No. Well, there's a lot of evidence in the president's tweets, Mr. Attorney General. I think you should start reading them because he said Mr. Stone showed guts. But on July 10 of this year, Roger Stone declared to a reporter, I had 29 or 30 conversations with Trump during the campaign period. Trump knows I was under enormous pressure to turn on him. It would have eased my situation considerably, but I didn't. The prosecutors wanted me to play Judas. I refused. Are you familiar with that Stone statement? Actually, I'm not. So how can you sit here and tell us why should I investigate the president of the United States if you're not even aware of the facts concerning the president <laughs> using the pardon or commutation power to swap the silence of a witness? Because we, we require uh, you know, a reliable predicate before we open a criminal investigation. And I just gave to you, sir. Well, I, I don't consider it. I consider it a very Rube uh, Goldberg <laughs> theory that you have. Well, it, it sounds like you're hearing this. And, and the by the way, if I applied, if I applied this standard, standard there'd, be a lot, there'd be a lot more people under investigation. Not a bad line. Not a bad line. It was just a, a BS festival. It, 
every every part of it. You know, part of the situation was, you know, half of the Republicans' uh, responsibility was just to try to convince the Demo- uh, Democrats to let the uh, witness speak. Mr. Chairman, Gentlemen, Mr. Chairman, just, just real, real quick. I don't, think we've, I don't think we've ever had a hearing where the witness wasn't allowed to respond to points made, questions asked, and attacks, attacks made. Every, not, not just in this hearing, not just in this committee, but every committee I've been on. So gentleman, particularly, particularly when you think about the fact we got the Attorney General of the United States here. Gentleman does not have the time. <laughs> I don't want the time. I just want I want the Attorney General to be able to have enough time to respond to accusations and questions. Ask him, and you guys not cut him off. What you want is irrelevant. What irrelevant are the rules? Oh, what you want is irrelevant. That's right. Um, and if. What you want, that irrelevant thing, is that you're hungry? Screw you. The material will be uh, entered into the record. Ms. Dean is recognized. Sorry, Mr. Chairman, could, I, could we take a five-minute break? Ms. Dean is recognized. Could we take a five-minute break, Mr. Chairman? No. That's a common courtesy, Ms. Dean Mr. Is Chairman, of every witness. I, I waited 45, uh, are, an hour for you this morning. I haven't had lunch. I'd like to take Mr. a five-minute break. Mr. Attorney General, we're, we are almost finished. We're, we're, we're going to be finished in a, in a few minutes. <laughs> Otherwise, you can, we can certainly take a break, but... Um, you're real class. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> real yes, class after the, yes, after this, if you still well, want we'll have a break. No, he wants a break now. You want it now? And you just, right. you just committee, mentioned rudeness. I think we're stand, seeing it on display. Let's let the Attorney General have recess. a break. The committee will stand in recess now. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Give him five minutes, okay, to get a Heath bar or something, you know? You know, as a fat guy myself, and Barr being a fat guy, and Nadler being a still semi, but once profoundly fat guy, there should be a, a secret understanding handshake here that, you know, when you're getting hungry, liberate us just for a few minutes. Um, you know, I'm going to try something. I'm going to call an audible here in a second. But there was actually a good piece of... There was something useful that came out of this thing that it, it was really breaking news because... The Democrats just played this game, you know, re- they reclaim my time game, and just to, to castigate and just beat up Barr and say that it's all about the election, yeah, yeah, whatever, which is fine. They're allowed to do it. That's not that's that's normal politics. I mean, it's certainly taken to a new level, more cynical than ever. But that is what politics is. It's a lot of it's a lot of sloganeering and showboating and this and that. Now you would think maybe in a year where we've had a black black swan event and that we've had great social unraveling here that maybe you take things a little more seriously, but they don't, and that's fine. But Jordan did uh, break some news here with Barr, and it has to do with the uh, Mueller investigation. And um, part of that, the newer revelations were all of the unmaskings that happened. The Obama administration was really big into unmasking. In other words, identifying voices on foreign surveillance uh, recordings and uh, of other parties who who they just felt needed to be, uh, you know, shared with the administration. And um, and uh, I'll let you um, judge for yourself here. It looks like something's, uh, something's going on to uh, try to rectify this. 38 people unmasked Michael Flynn's name 49 times in a two-month time frame. Seven people at the Treasury Department unmasked Michael Flynn's name. Is this- just think about that. That's the Treasury Department. Is this an issue that Mr. Durham is looking into? <clears throat> I've asked another U.S. attorney to look into the issue of unmasking because of, you know, the high number of unmaskings and some that do not 
readily appear to have been um, in the line of normal business. Wait a minute. So I want to be clear. So there is a there is another investigation on that issue specifically going on at the Justice Department right now. Yes. Wow, that's great. I, I, so Mr. Durham is looking at how the whole Trump Russia thing started. You have another U.S. attorney. Can you give us that U.S. attorney's name, or is that something you're comfortable doing? Or John Bash of Texas. John Bash of Texas is looking specifically. Sounds tough, doesn't he? Specifically at the fact. At unmasking. 38 people, 49 times unmasked Michael Flynn's name, and probably other unmaskings that took place in the final days of the Obama-Biden administration. Is that accurate? Actually, a much longer period of time. Even before that? Yes. Thank you, Mr. I, I appreciate that. And that's information that the committee did not uh, did not know. Wow, it's interesting. When you ask serious questions, you can sometimes break news and glean information that you can pass on to the American people who might be interested. I'll be watching that. I'm very interested in that, that whole thing. It's just incredible uh, the, the, how the previous administration hamstrung using intelligence services, hamstrung and harassed and really tried to uh, to topple this administration. And uh, it'll all... I mean, a lot has come out already. It's incredible. This guy Peter Strzok was was omnipresent in every single in every single scene in this thing, and we'll have it. So I'm going to try. Uh, first of all, we'll check in with Joe Biden. Joe Biden has had another issue today. Every time they take him above ground, he's got an issue. This time, he didn't know where he was. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one down I used to work. That's a joke. You didn't know where we were anyway. <laughs> Actually, that's the one, Don, I used to work as a joke. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one, Don, I used to work as a joke. You didn't know where we were anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So today, at, as some of you may know, I work at the Lowell Sun. And today we actually had an Ed board, a recorded Ed board. Which we do with uh, Ed Markey. So Ed is editorial board. Ed Markey is Edward. Um, and um, and it was a good. It was a good. Talk. We talked for almost an hour. We certainly appreciated Senator Ed Markey running for re-election. We appreciated him giving us the time. He answered all of our questions. Some of the questions were tough. Um, and it, it was a good hour. Actually, I, I would say. I'll give the credit to the two other editors who were on the call, but it was it was not a cakewalk whatsoever. It was a good hour. These were tough questions with good follow-ups. We worked with each other to try to, you know, drill deeper down into the senators' uh, answers. It wasn't, you know, we weren't there to uh, to mug anybody, but we certainly wanted answers. But one of that was very interesting, and I'm I get a sorry, I'm having a child knock at the door, but I, I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, I, well. I just want to try to see if I can get this. The thing is, I have to. We asked him about a VP choice, and you know, we just heard the Cedric um, Richmond yell at um, at uh, AG Barr for not having any black members of on his team. And I actually asked Ed Markey about this today, and he he uh, he didn't really respond to it. He hadn't heard about that. But then we asked him about his VP pick. And um, it was a guy named Chris Scott, who's the editor of The Sun, myself, and Cliff Clark, who's the editor of the Fishburg Sentinel and Enterprise. And I'm going to try to find, put this cursor on where that was, and we'll see if I can get to it correctly. Hang on. Uh, who do you think um, is best suited to be his running mate to help him do that? 
Um, and I asked specifically because there you served with two women who were who were apparently on the list: Senator Warren from Massachusetts and Senator Harris from California. Who do you think is best cut out for that? Well, uh, or do you have a favorite? <laughs> I would say, yeah, Elizabeth Warren is my favorite, and if it's not Elizabeth Warren, well, this will be interesting to hear the other name. I wonder who the other person is who's. Um, who's very qualified due to her resume and history and acumen for the job. Can't wait to hear her name. And then it would be an African-American woman who would be oh. on the ticket. That would be my preference. But Elizabeth as my top choice. What, why is that? What, what does, other than being at the, from the same state as you when you work closely together, what, what, what is her biggest attribute? Uh, I would say it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a clear vision of what is needed at this time from an economic perspective. Uh, and I think she's perfectly suited to provide that level of leadership. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Clear vision for economic, yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's good. Or the other thing we need right now is um, somebody who looks, um, who whose skin is darker. Uh, Clear vision, not necessary in that, since I guess, don't worry about it, guys. The uh, the burn barrel man uh, picked up the ball where it was left. What if? But you know, along those lines, what if? But so either Liz Warren's clear leadership, or simply an African American woman's skin color. I mean, isn't there something more that you'd want? Well. Yeah, there, there, there are, um, there are African American African American women who are qualified to be vice president of the United States. There we go. Uh, and um, uh, and uh, and I think that what we're seeing on the streets of our country, uh, what we're hearing from um, communities of color. So he did. We got, he was twisting there for a moment, and he's found a way to slowly work his way off the ground and start to uh, to uh, get himself in a mobile position again here. Uh, is that they want justice. Um, they want to make sure that we put in place the kinds of programs that deal with police reform, criminal justice reform, health care reform, educational reform, and that we, you know, and that we're able to... Um, uh, and that we're able to deal with those problems. And I think it's time. It is absolutely time for an African-American woman to be on the ticket. Okay. Given nice. everything you just said, yes. wouldn't an African-American woman for vice president trump your colleague from Massachusetts? Liz Warren. Well, again, I, I, I support Elizabeth to be vice president. And, um, and I think that she has just the perfect economic message for this time. Uh, and if and I and uh, and I uh, wholeheartedly support her candidacy, if she wants it. By the way, if she right. wants it, I would never say you to anyone, it. "You should do this." Okay. Oh, worry, it's almost it, over, Ed. Uh, but apart from her, I think that an African American woman would be the perfect, <laughs> um, the perfect kind of a a picture to be uh, to be um, sending to our country. Woo! God, that's over, huh? 
So absolutely, it is time. What we need, the perfect picture we need to be painting, sending to our country right now, is an African-American woman. But who we need for vice president right now is absolutely Liz Warren because vision and leadership. But we need for vice president is an African-American woman. But what we need for vice president is Liz Warren. But, however, what we need for vice president is an African-American woman. Or Liz Warren. Or two. Or I'm not even sure. And I'm reclaiming my time, Mr. General. And my time is limited. I, I have the time. So what Reclaiming the, my time. Yeah. I'm answering your question. So you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, sir. Reclaiming my time. And I know you don't want to answer. But I'm not saying uh, that. I reclaim my time. Reclaiming my time. Re- reclaiming my time, Mr. Attorney General. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming. C'est la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.